Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. I'm delighted. I've been la-di-da-din. Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top, man. These boys, they be potting. I trust them like a lot. And they told me that I get it. Guess what? I got it. You should do it too. You will never lose. If you ever do, must have been a ruse. Ricky, that's my dude. Stoops is super cool. Sharks up in the pool. I've been sparking up my tools. I've been looking to win. Spend a little again. I've been first fiddled it in. My God, I riddled again. I told them stop clowning around. They said what goes up comes down. I said I'm down with the sickness. My team stay ill now. Come get this. I'm just so David and light. I stay ready tonight. Deep dive, we rise. That's the melee, alright? De- David delight. De- David delight. Da 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 David delight. Hey. Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Delight brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, we're going to continue on with our previews of the conferences that are scheduled to play this fall. Today, we're going to tackle the ACC and where quarterback three is for the 2022 mm-hmm. draft. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime here, Stoops. How are you, sir? You're going to start it off like that? I am going to start it start off, off like that. It's going to be an episode where you're talking about said individual, so... Yeah. I've got to get my Keaton Slavis uh, slides in there any, anyway. I can. I was going to say, I've got some some punches in there, too, in my notes, <laughs> so we'll get there. No, I'm excited, though. Um, some games today. Um, Clemson yeah. plays, right? So that'll yeah, be fun. Um, win by 50. I know. No, but this will be a fun one. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talent in the ACC, so definitely excited to uh, dive in a little bit deeper on some guys that, that may or may not be talked about a lot. So it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. My guys talk. One of my guys has talked about a lot. Well, of course, but I couldn't resist. When I was looking at the list, I was like, God, this is my opportunity to talk about Trevor Lawrence in full for the first time mm-hmm. in a couple months. So, we might have about an hour and a half podcast because you're going to take about 45 minutes on him. Just talking about Trevor Lawrence. We'll cut you off, though. We'll cut you off before it gets too long. I appreciate that. <laughs> We're joined from from Under the Helmet, um, the podcast and contributor over there, Katie Flower. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I just, uh, it was great to see some live football this week. Uh, got to watch a little bit of college football last weekend and very excited for today's games. I'll be uh, cooking up some stuff from my garden while I'm watching football and listening. And uh, so, yeah, and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Um, it was interesting because we got a little bit of football on Thursday in the world of college and Miami played Miami actually won that's not really much of a surprise but anybody have any quick thoughts to what uh, Derek King looked like which I didn't think looked very good at all which is not really surprising because I'm not a big Derek King guy any thoughts on Derek King real quick guys I personally have not been a fan of Derek King uh, and plus he's tiny so <laughs> exactly he's, he's just he's been off my radar i mean the buzz that he gets is great because sometimes in deep debbie leagues that uh, that allows me to get somebody else that i like higher profile um, Absolutely. you got to have guys that people are attracted to that you're not so that you get your guys stoops you love yeah Derek. well no no <laughs> no and I, i'll be honest i didn't watch the game i was watching the uh the chiefs chiefs texans yeah. game and i didn't look too much into it but i just from what i'd heard around from others was he didn't look very impressive um they kind of you know it, now that he's got that opportunity i mean he's got the dual threat ability which is awesome but it's just he, he's never really been a, a top priority for me and never been a huge huge fan so yeah yeah it's interesting that um that Nagy loves him. Nagy loves him. He's been promoting the heck out of him. So it's going to be interesting to see how that translates. But I, I have an issue with a quarterback that is five foot two. So, um, well, if they're right. not six foot seven, then that is not. Keaton <laughs> <laughs> Slavis is not six foot seven. This is blasphemy. Stop That's picking true. on me and me liking quarterbacks that are tall. 
um, which I'll talk about later. Um, all right, we're going to dive into the ACC right now. Stoops, I'll let you kick it off with your first guy. All right, so I'm going to kick it off with um, the QB1 for the 2022 class. Uh, Sam Howell, North Carolina quarterback. Um, he just had a phenomenal season last year. I mean, coming in as a true freshman, it's kind of one of those where the expectations are always going to be high at the D1 level, obviously. But then you kind of have some reservations, you know, where, where they may not progress as quick as you would want. But when I was watching his film, the crazy thing was I watched the Wake Forest game, which I think was the third game of the season for him. He looked kind of rough. He really did. But Wake Forest's defense was just all over him that whole entire game. Um, the offensive line struggled a little bit. But as you watched his his progression through the season, he, he definitely did not look like a true freshman anymore. He was making some phenomenal throws, making some phenomenal reads. Um, loved what I saw towards the end of the season. But when you look at his stats, he had a 61.2% completion rate for just over 3,600 passing yards, 38 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions. He ran the ball a little bit, but only had 39 yards. Wasn't really a big, big key um, part of his game. But he also had a rushing touchdown mixed in there. Um, 145 first downs. He did have eight fumbles, right? We always talk about that to where it's just – whether he loses them or not, it's still a fumble, right? So it's going to be essentially negative yards, potentially a turnover. So we just got to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, again, as I've done with the other ones, I kind of broke it down. You know, what were his stats against ACC opponents and non-ACC opponents? So when you look at it, obviously a huge chunk um, of his stats came within conference, seeing as how that's where they played most of their games. Um, he had 2,627 passing yards and 27 passing touchdowns within the conference Threw for five interceptions. That's where most of his interceptions came from. Um, 95 first downs and he only had the three fumbles in conference, which is, is okay. Right. You know, it, it's it, having played most of his games there and having fewer, fewer fumbles. I think a lot of that'll be contributed to outside conference. They're usually playing lesser opponents, taking a little bit more chances, you know, um, and a lot of his fumbles actually, when I was looking at it, were early in the season. So kind of how I said his progression through the season got better, right? So as the season went on, he started taking care of the ball a little bit more, um, which is definitely something you, you love to see. Went and looked at his red zone production, because again, as, as a quarterback, um, I know you, Ricky, specifically, um, have kind of always really looked deeper into that, but I, I was looking into it. Inside the red zone, 51.5 completion percent, which we've said, it is what it is because you know if it's a throw if he's throwing the ball away i'll 100 take that over an interception 304 passing yards 19 passing touchdowns and zero interceptions inside the red zone those are numbers that you absolutely love to see um he just takes care of the ball right inside the red zone he even had a rushing touchdown that's where his one rushing touchdown did come from so definitely loved seeing that i went and looked a little bit more into his kind of first um or i'm sorry his down down and distance performances on first and first, uh, first, uh, what am I trying to say? First down altogether, kind of all inclusive. He threw for almost 1800 yards, 19 touchdowns, and he had 53 first downs. So he's getting the job done early, right? Which is absolutely awesome. You love seeing that second down. He had 996 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, 11 passing touchdowns for 38 first downs. And then third down, uh, 761 passing yards for eight uh, passing touchdowns and 46 first downs. So he's getting the job done, right? First, second, third down. It, he's he's just doing what he needs to do to keep the the, the team moving down the field, and you got to love seeing that. Some of the notes I've got on him. I mean, he was USA Today freshman All-American team, um, ACC Rookie of the Year, ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was a Military Bowl MVP. If you watch that game against Temple, so I watched the Wake Forest and the Temple game, right? Kind of early in the season, late in the season. He looked phenomenal. I sent you a clip, Ricky, of one of the throws. He, I think it was Daz Newsome. It, he was, it was double coverage, but the throw was, it was, a, just, it was a dime. Oh my God. It was perfect. So it's just throws like that. The confidence built over the year, right? I don't know if he would have made that throw in the first probably five games, but the fact that he had the confidence in his receiver and himself to make that throw was just, was just awesome. Right. Um, he's second in school history for single season passing yards. He's behind your favorite quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, so I'm sure he'll break that record, you know, probably this season, but, um, as of last year, even as a true freshman, right? Having the second most passing yards in a season is, is pretty pretty awesome to see. Um, he's even got some receiving stats, right? You don't see that a whole lot from a quarterback necessarily, but three receptions for 23 yards and a touchdown. Um, and I don't think Keaton has any receiving stats, just throwing that out there. So I don't know if you know that or not, but. Listen, 
This is about the ACC. Please stop criticizing the best quarterback in college football, not named Trevor Lawrence. No. Um, no, but watching his film, I loved his arm strength. Um, it just seems effortless um, on on the outside throws. He throws a back shoulder. Uh, the his back shoulder throw is phenomenal. He he hit it multiple times with with a lot of different receivers. Um, as I said in his early games, he did struggle a little bit when the pressure got to him. It, it really rattled him, and he struggled to get rid of the ball. He kind of just took the sack, which again is better than a turnover. But you got to get rid of the ball at least. Don't lose yards, kind of thing. So he really progressed in that aspect as well. Um, as the season went on, he was able to throw a deep ball a little bit more, and that's kind of something I really want to see because a lot of his passes were three to five yards in his receivers, running backs, whoever did the rest of the rest of the work. But I really want to see a little bit more more deep ball. So hopefully the coaching staff will give him that opportunity. But when he did throw it deep, it was it was effortless. Um, it was pretty accurate with it. He had some that are off off kilter, but for the most part, what I saw from Sam Howell, he's definitely the QB one in the twenty twenty two class. So hashtag Team Howell. Um, I just loved what I saw, right? He, he's, to me, he's a phenomenal quarterback. I think he's just going to continue to progress. He's got this year, next year. I mean, he's got a lot of time to to really hone in on the craft and continue with what he's doing. And I think North Carolina is going to be a team that's that's going to make some some waves and, and really start to, to shock a lot of teams in these this year, next couple years, and, and so on. But yeah, Sam Howell, my favorite guy. I, I like it. Katie, so before I let you talk about Sam Howell, I have a question for you. <laughs> I knew this um, was coming. This is going to be a serious question. Are you team how or are you team Slavis? You're asking me? Yes, I'm asking you, yes. Are you team how or Slavis? Uh, Slavis, but, <sighs> but, and, and here's the caveat. <laughs> Stoops keeps saying that how is the number one quarterback of 2022, number one quarterback of 2022, that he's seen so far. Because you have not seen Spencer Rattler yet, who will dominate Oklahoma oh. this year. I mean, he's going to dominate the country when you finally get to see him play. Uh, he is, by this time next year, going to be the number one quarterback from the 2022 class. So I, like I do him. like Sam Howell. I'm not going to say that I don't like him. But in Debbie, the realistic, um, even in Superflex, the hit rate on quarterbacks in Debbie is roughly 6%. There's guys that that fall through the cracks all the time. Joe Burrow was not a heavily recruited Debbie quarterback, and he fell through the cracks. Carson Wentz was not a heavy Debbie quarterback, and he fell through the cracks. Patrick Mahomes was not a heavy Debbie quarterback. He was a three-star and played at Texas Tech. So look at him now. And same thing with Lamar Jackson. He's a three-star that fell through the cracks. Now, yes, he was – as he got later and started doing things in his college career, there were still question marks on the guy. He was still, you could get him in Debbie fairly cheap, even going into his final year before uh, coming into the NFL. And I've done a lot of research on, on quarterbacks in general. It's you're better to wait. You're better to pad running backs and wide receivers. Don't touch tight ends. Don't touch quarterbacks for the most part in Debbie. There are some special guys. I do think that Trevor Lawrence is one of those exceptions, but he's very expensive now, and that's the problem. When they finally show out what they can do, they're very expensive, especially in Superflex. But you're better off using that capital on other positions and then trading for quarterbacks when you know you play Dynasty your Debbie roster is kind of like a portfolio. Your Debbie players are guys that you want to uh, raise in value, not lower. Absolutely. Who is the first guy in the ACC you are going to talk about? I will be talking about wide receiver Tamori and Terry out of Florida State. And I picked him for a few different reasons. Um, he's a big dude. He's six foot four, 210 pounds. He's a red shirt. Uh, junior and uh, he's 22 years old. And did I mention he's six foot four, 210? He put on 15 pounds of good muscle in the off season and has, he's a hardworking guy. He had a dominator rating of 42% as a red shirt freshman in 2018, 42% dominator rating, 744 yards. 36% dominator rating last year with 1,188 yards. His overall, he's had 168 targets, 97 catches for a catch rate of 58%. He's 6'4", 
He's had a total of almost 2,000 receiving yards, which averages out to 12.1 yards per target, 17 receiving touchdowns, 45 first downs, and only three fumbles. He had a 20-year-old breakout season. And when you think of a deep threat, you think of a little guy like six foot, 195 pounds, uh, you know, with 4'3", four, 4'4", four, four speed. This guy's 6'4", 210 with 4'3", speed. And that at that size, that's crazy. He's a three-star, but when it comes to recruiting, there's a lot of different reasons why recruits don't rise up to the five-star, four-star range. You got to dig a little bit deeper. I'm always the kind, I gave you the clinical, here's his stats inside the box. Now let's go outside the box. Everybody that's listened to me on Under the Helmet knows that the one determining factor when it comes to a Debbie player, the differentiating mark is their heart. When it, when it gets to the end, when you get to the NFL to be a truly solid NFL player and a fantasy contributor, you, it's your job now. You have to be able to work. And so I do dig into, I try to find the heart. I look inside and I listen to interviews of the players and are they well-spoken? You know, what are, what are they hungry for? This kid is a three-star athlete for many different reasons. For one, he's from a very small town in Georgia, from a very small county. And he worked on a farm to make money to, to buy shoes. He didn't go to football camps. He didn't, he didn't promote himself. He, he, he was a great athlete. And people around him knew he was a great athlete, but nobody knew him. He played multiple positions, including defensive back and, and even some offensive line. And he gets in there even now with practices with the offensive linemen just to do their drills and, and work on blocking and, and things like that. So that's pretty cool. He never considered opting out this season. He came back not to be average. He came back to be great. He wants to be the number one wide receiver in all of college football this year. And, you know, he added 15 pounds of muscle. That was one thing uh, he, he really hadn't been using his physicality as much, but now he's even more of a dominating presence with that speed. That's a killer combination. Nick Saban was so angry that nobody had looked at this kid earlier and they lost out. Part of it was his grades. And in order to make it in college, you've got to be eligible. And so he had to work hard to bring his grades up. By the time that he was on the radar of a team like Alabama, Auburn was heavily recruiting him. He chose Florida State. And he, he was basically saying, sorry, Nick, uh, you're a little too late to the game. Jimbo Fisher is an idiot for redshirting him instead of using him. He was ready to play, but it also made him hungry and he came out of the gates as a redshirt freshman in 2018 at a 20-year-old breakout age. Uh, I The sky's the limit for this guy. Where do you have Terry ranked in your wide receiver rankings for 2021? I don't do rankings. That's one thing that I don't do. But I've seen him, I've seen him uh, you know, 10 to 15 in, in that range. And there's a lot of guys, you know, if you look at – the number one guy at wide receiver in his recruiting class was Donovan People Jones. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that fall and, by the wayside. And then Jones went and played with one of the worst quarterbacks in college football history. So, it's well, <laughs> true, but he also didn't work hard. And no, no, definitely did not. No. There's a lot of factors that separate because there's a lot of great athletes in college. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, and so what separates those that make it and those that don't, I mean, it, it, there's luck in being in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. There's, you know, the hard work and ethic and, and this guy grinds, man. Uh, you listen to him. He's got heart. He's got everything that I look for. And the nice thing is his price right now, even right now, his price is, it's cheap. There's so many guys going ahead of him in Debbie drafts. If you're doing a Debbie startup anytime during the season, which sometimes I'm I'm uh, game to do if anybody's got a Debbie leak they want to start up, let me know. But um, Or just if you're in preparation, early preparation for the 2021 NFL draft, I like to look at, because I watch so much college football, it gives me a head start on 
regular rookie drafts, even in my non-Debbie leagues. And I think this guy is going to climb the ladder this year, really, really climb the ladder. He's already put two good college seasons together, and I think he can be great. He wants to be great, and I think he can be great. He, he was raw initially. He's starting to really get those pieces. His coaching staff believes in him. They're working with him on the nuances, uh, his technique, you know, using not just his speed, but his size and his weight weight room coach has, has helped him put on those 15 pounds of good muscle. So he's putting in the work. Yeah. That's the important part. Like you said, is, is other guys going to be putting the work stoops and I have them both have them actually funny enough that we have them seventh ranked receiver for our upcoming class. So okay. I like Terry a lot. Um, we've spoke a little bit about him in the past, but I'm glad you did because I'm a big fan. Um, for me, I'm going to transition into a little known quarterback. Um, Five-star prospect, number one ranked guy. Um, in my opinion, the best quarterback we have seen in almost a decade coming out of college, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Um, any chance for me to talk about Trevor Lawrence, I will talk about him. I talked about him a little bit last year, and by a little bit, I mean a lot of it. Um, for me, we criticized Trevor early on in the season last year because he was looking a little rough around the edges. Came, I think he came out kind of complacent. And one of the big things that I knock Lawrence for, and Stoops and, Stoops and I have talked about this before, is he plays down to his competition sometimes. Um, I feel like Lawrence likes playing. I, I feel like if Lawrence could play the SEC 12 times a year, he would love it. You know what I mean? He's that kind of competitor, but I think that's a testament to his character in general. Um, 2019 stats obviously were uh, pretty pretty solid. He, he didn't look as marvelous as he did in 2018, kind of down the stretch, but um, he had a 65% completion percentage, 3,660 yards, and 36 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions. A lot of those interceptions came early in the season. Um, when he was just kind of, I felt like goofing off a little bit. Uh, he did have nine rushing touchdowns, which was an improvement over um, 2018, which he only had one. Um, the biggest thing that I love about Trevor Lawrence is his red zone capabilities. Stoops and I talk about it all the time about com completion percentage. Um, and, and if it's low in the red zone, you look at it kind of at the factor of him throwing away and stuff like that. Um, Trevor Lawrence has a 71% completion percentage in the red zone, which is absurd. Um, he's 60 for 84 and 60 of the 50, and then 49% of those uh, 60 completions went for touchdowns. He's got 31 passing touchdowns in the red zone, zero interceptions. Um, he also has nine rushing touchdowns in the red zone as well. Um, there's a few things that I break down when it comes to quarterback. You know, you have the pocket presence, you have the arm, you have the playmaking ability and stuff like that. Obviously, when you look on it, I do wish this is a weird knock for him, but I do wish that he had a little bit more swagger. I think all games of the season. I think that he really brings out his A game, like I said, in those big-time games. And he has showed it time and time again how good he is. That stretch run in the first national title run was some of the best college football we've ever seen. Um, pocket presence. Um, one big thing that I always say is um, he isn't a run-first run first quarterback. I've heard this so many different times. Stoops and I have criticized people saying that before. But he, he is not a, a run-second quarterback either. He's able to elude pressure in the pocket. And he's able to uh, – he has that. Sixth sense that I say that can't be taught by uh, feeling the pressure that's coming in and able to escape it. Um, in his freshman year, Lawrence converted a pressure into a sack on just over 15% of his dropbacks, which is insane. That was in the uh, 80% uh, market of uh, Power 5 quarterbacks that year. Um, he throws big-time throws. He rates the highest among all Power 5 quarterbacks with 100, uh, 100 attempts under pressure since 2018. A turnover-worthy play that ranked fifth best. Um, his arm... The deep ball is gorgeous. I love it. Um, he just kind of slings it out, the intermediate route check, throwing the ball on the run, which he throws the ball on the run better than I've seen a lot of guys in college football. Um, for me, he just he's a playmaker. Um, we saw that on the game against Ohio State. They really needed a big play, and Trevor took a 67-yard run to the house. He can burn you with his legs. He doesn't look like he's fast. He runs like a giraffe or something, <laughs> which is very interesting, but he's very capable of, of making plays in his legs. Um, like I said, the biggest knock heading into the season was playing down to his competition. We're going to see that today, right? They have, I think they play Wake Forest today, mm -hmm. um, and they probably should beat them by 50. But that's what I want to see him do this year. I want him to see him consistent against that big time or the small time games, right? I just 
like he is going to improve upon his stats here. There's a few things that I wish he that he would do. Be a little bit more protective with the football. Um, be a little bit smarter this year from last year. Um, he plays up to the competition against the SEC in his career. He's got a 65% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, only one interception. Um, and and that to me is impressive. Obviously, a lot of his stats come against ACC teams, but I want to see him approve upon sliding. Um, please slide. I like Trevor Lawrence. Um, it's one thing that uh, I yelled at Joe Burrow for the entire season last time. We want Trevor Lawrence for a lot more years, and I want to see him play on Sunday. So please slide this year. That would be very, 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 very thankful of you um, to do so. But as you, if you can't tell, I'm a big Trevor fan, and um, I think that he's going to show why he is the best of the best. And I hope he doesn't end up in Jacksonville. So, Katie, any thoughts on the uh, Trevor Lawrence? I love him. I've loved him from day one. He's got the size, the poise, the leadership. Ah. Early breakout, well-coached, he's disciplined. Uh, but, you know, just going outside the box beyond the numbers, he's just a, a very good young man. And yep. he's starting to really accept the responsibility of his platform. Uh, this summer with COVID-19 going on, you know, the We Want to Play movement and Our Voices Matter, working with the NCAA to – help college football players be able to earn a little bit on the side from their likeness and just, you know, trying to put some rules in place that help the players moving forward. And then the we are united movement and understanding that as a uh, very uh, strong leadership potential, you know, just yeah. stepping up and, you know, he's just a good guy off the field and on the field. He's a, he's an all around kind of player. He's solid in every department. I wouldn't hesitate to draft him early, especially if you're in Debbie now, all of the good, you know, that running back class that we had last year, I would have, I would have probably taken a running back over him depending on where the draft spot was, but he's, he's no doubt, um, no doubt in my mind that he's going to go on to a, a really good professional career and help you a lot in fantasy football. Yeah, that's one thing that's kind of showed to me this offseason is his there's there's really no questioning his leadership anymore, right? You know what I mean? There was questions surrounding is he a leader on the football field or is it a product of the environment? Is it product of Dabo? But we've watched him continuously this offseason step up and be a voice that he needed to be, which, you know, not he didn't have to do it. You know what I mean? He didn't have to step up. You know what I mean? He could have just stayed in his little box, but he decided to use his platform, which is amazing because it kind of shows that He's going to step up for his teammates. He's going to step up for the community. He's going to step up and do the right things off the field, just like he does on the football field, like he said. Stoops, any quick thoughts on uh, the GOAT before you transition? No, y'all hit y'all y'all said everything. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is, is as you said, like going outside the box, like the numbers are there. We, we've seen them for these years now, right? It's it's now we're seeing who he is, who he is as a person, right? We're yeah. seeing that everyday real life leadership you know he, he's like like you said he's working with the ncaa he's working with all these different organizations all these different movements all these just different people to better his future everyone's future it's just it's, he's just making an impact long term right Absolutely. outside of football for everybody's just everyday life that that a lot of us um either one don't see don't experience just anything like that he's he's helping that um on the outside and that's that's what really separates someone, you know, from, from others is, is using your platform and just kind of, kind of making it, um, a visible, you know, type thing. So now y'all, y'all, y'all pretty much hit everything. Perfect. what you got for us? Who's the next guy? So the guy I'm gonna talk about, um, I'm gonna keep it at North Carolina. I'm gonna talk about the running back, Michael Carter. Um, I've, I've watched, I've looked into him, uh, watched a little bit of film before, but nothing super in depth. So, Dug a little bit deeper, watched a little bit more film. Um, I wasn't unimpressed, but I wasn't overly impressed. It was just kind of one of those, like, I almost felt like there was a little bit more that could be, and I think we'll see that this year. I hope we'll see that this year. Um, he was involved, you know, in the offense pretty heavily last year, but um, I think there's still room for improvement. I think there's still more, more opportunities for him. And I think now Mac Brown 
bringing in a lot of his guys, his schemes, his everything, it, it's starting to really take form now. It kind of takes a little bit of time, and I think we're starting to see that. So I think this season we're going to really see kind of what he's truly capable of. Um, he was a three-star prospect coming out of high school. So, again, one of those guys that kind of essentially, you know, slipped through the cracks a little bit here and there. Um, he was the sixth-ranked all-purpose back, so definitely shows the uh, the receiving ability um, in, in the ranking there, and I'll get to the stats on it here in a second. But he's 5'10", 200 pounds, so um, good size to him. I think he'll put on a couple more couple more pounds and, you know, just have, have a little bit more physicality to him. But when you look at his stats from last season, had 177 rush attempts, just over 1,000 yards, only had three rushing touchdowns, though. That's definitely a number that I would love to see go up. Um, right. Sam Howell, I mean, yeah, he had the 38 uh, passing touchdowns, but at the same time, like, you kind of want to see more than three rushing touchdowns from your starting running back. So hopefully he he gets a little bit more opportunity there and can can make it happen. 24 targets, 21 receptions, so 87.5 catch percent there for 154 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns accounted for 45 first downs. One thing that did concern me um, was basically all of those rushing touchdowns came outside of conference, right? They were against non-conference opponents. So when you got into conference, now again, I'll, I'll be the first. I did not watch every single game and every snap, but was it because he didn't get the opportunities? Was it because he couldn't convert on them? Like, what was it really? So just the fact that in conference where usually 85% of your games are coming from, he had zero rushing touchdowns. He did have one receiving touchdown, um, but you gotta you gotta get it done in conference because, as we've said before, that's where a lot of your not criticism, but that's where a lot of your film analysis and, and kind of what people are really looking at for for draft purposes are going to come from. Because again, that's where most of your your production is coming from. So definitely want to see some some improvement there. Um, but he still had 668 uh, rushing yards inside the conference, 124 receiving yards, and like I said, a uh, receiving touchdown with 32 first downs. So, um, as I said, it, oh, and the other thing was this: so those three rushing touchdowns that came out of conference, they came against, they all came against Mercer. He had three rushing touchdowns in that one game. So all so of his, zero. So he had zero huh? rushing touchdowns in the rest of the game, huh? Yeah. So he had three rushing touchdowns against mercer who went four and eight over the season and he had zero in every other game so that's that's just a huge concern for me um i would i mean if he would have been at six seven probably wouldn't think too much on it right but three with all of them coming in one game definitely want to want to see some improvement there however watching him run though he's patient with his runs he allows his blockers to get set and then he has great acceleration to get where he needs to go there was a play against Wake Forest. So, again, I talked about it. Sam Howell struggled, right? He, he just struggled in that game. It was early in the season. But Michael Carter, he had a lot of great runs. So there was a play against Wake Forest. Um, took the handoff outside or out of the backfield. Kind of jumps outside. His first two uh, receivers in front of him get the blocks. Goes around him. As he's running up the field, he has a little hesitation to it. And his receiver gets a key block. He was able to get an extra 24 yards with that hesitation, allowing the block to, to get set. And then he hurdled a guy and gained an extra five or six yards. But it was just plays like that that are a reason I think he can find a role at the next level. And I think that we would need to see more of that this year to really kind of boost his stock. So he's definitely someone that's going to be much, much cheaper to get um, in these campus to can leagues that I'm in, I've been seeing him available in the 30th round, the 35th round, like he's available late. So he's definitely someone you can snatch up. Um, and still, I think he's worth, worth the chance, um, all around the board. And that one drive where I said he, he gained that extra 24 yards based on that little hesitation, the drive did end in a drive. He did not get the touchdown, but it's nonetheless, he set his team up. He set his team up for that opportunity, and that's a big piece too. Yeah, his stats weren't there, so fantasy-wise, it's not a huge thing, but it's going to find him a role on a team, right, when he's able to do stuff like that. So um, he's slippery in his runs. He's tough to bring down. You're definitely not going to be able to arm tackle him. Uh, you're going to have to set up and, and essentially you know, stop him. You're not going to be able to arm tackle. So um, great contact balance. Last thing I've got on him, um, he's got speed. You can see him. He separates from guys. Uh, his acceleration is phenomenal. I don't think, and I kind of said this, I don't think he's going to be that RB1 at the next level. I don't think he's going to be a workhorse. I don't think he's going to have that type of a role. 
but he's going to find his way onto the field. As far as your starting lineups go, RB2 flex position, I think that's kind of where you can really see him. Might be a low-end RB2, um, kind of closer to that flex, but I think he's going to find his opportunities. He does play special teams. They put him out there for kick returns, punt returns, so he's able to do it kind of all across the field. I just want to see a little bit more improvement in certain areas. Definitely want to see some rushing touchdowns in conference. Um, we just got to see more against the ACC, albeit – I, the ACC, they have got some good teams, right? But it's not necessarily the toughest conference out there. But you still got to get it done in conference. So I like him. I just didn't leave overly impressed watching the film. But I did not be – I was not unimpressed either. I was kind of in that middle of the road. Just want to see a little bit more to, to sell me on him a little bit. But Michael Carter, again, three-star prospect coming out of uh, Florida. So uh, big fan. Just keep an eye on him. I, I think this season's going to be huge for him for sure. Katie, who's the guy you're going to talk about? You don't want me to talk about him? Oh, if you want Carter? to, yeah, sorry. Sorry, if you want to talk about Carter. Bad. No, it's okay. I just, uh, I think he's going to fall in the lines of all of the great uh, UNC running backs in the NFL. Oh, uh, wait, Giovanni Bernard, I think, is the only one of any substance. Um, I am a running back snob a little bit in Debbie. I'm, I'm looking for a particular profile. He would be a very, very late guy and i'm not even sure I, I think he'll be more in a campus to canton type situation where you get his uh production in college i think he's he's a great late round pick but to hold any hope that he's going to be more than just a roster clogger in the nfl on your fantasy team um unless you've got a really deep taxi squad or a really really deep squad um there's a bunch of other guys that i would rather target i looked at him he looked decent um, I couldn't find anything about his story. I saw an interview. He seems like a well-spoken kid. Uh, he was talking Sam Howell up really nicely. So, uh, you know, that was always good to see when a teammate talks about another teammate, but not a lot of excitement when I, when I see a guy like him and Debbie. Absolutely. You're going to talk about the SEC. ACC. There we go. And um, my next guy is going to, have a Jamar Chase type uh, just explode, become a very popular name in Debbie drafts. And uh, just he's going to rise onto the scene with Justin Ross out. I'm talking about Joe Ngata, wide receiver Clemson. Uh, he's only 19 years old going into his sophomore season. He's 6'3, 215 pounds, and reportedly runs a 4'4, 40. So decent size speed combination. Freshman year, he only put up 240 yards, uh, not a lot, but out of 34 targets, he caught exactly half of them, 17 to be exact, 7.1 yards per target, which isn't great, but he can play anywhere. They've got him moved around. They've got him. He can play inside. He can play outside, and they're going to have him play outside more uh, this year, kind of taking over the Justin Ross role. He beat out Frank Ladson, so the opportunity – is there and he's paired with the greatest uh, college quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who is going into year three, who will be even more stepping up his game. His body control is sick. He's already showing strength and technique as a route runner. He's a very smart, well-spoken young man and his hands are huge. I don't know if you've seen his hands, but his hands are huge, which you want at, a, at the wide receiver position. Uh, now let me give you a little bit of his background, the, the heart, the outside the box kind of stuff, the stuff that I really like to look at with recruits and Debbie players. His parents came to America from Cameroon. His father was a standout soccer player. He's got, he's the middle of three brothers. His older brother, Ariel is a four-star linebacker. His younger brother, Daniel is a four-star running back, uh, freshman, Arizona state. So in middle school, he decided he wanted to play football instead of soccer because he wanted to play football in college. His parents both got college degrees. They, they became the, uh, you know, the American dream. They were going to come to America uh, sight unseen, and they, they attended college, and they wanted college for their sons, and that was very important. So he, he has that grounded, you know, you've got to earn this and work for this. So uh, he also wanted his family. They, he grew up in Nevada. 
he wanted to move to Texas because Allen, Texas is where they produce champion after champion. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a champion, you've got to play with champions. But instead, the parents decided to end up moving to California. So he spent his high school years in California. Uh, Dabo Swinney calls him the hardest working player that he's ever coached. He's focused. He's committed. He's determined. And he's just a smooth athlete. You can see the athleticism drips from this kid. And he, with that hard work, the focus, the determination to be the best, and now with the opportunity, he's got a huge breakout coming this year. Um, I have absolutely no doubt by this time next year, his price is going to be through the roof, unaffordable. But right now, if you were to draft him before today's game <laughs> or trade for him, if if uh, he happens to be on somebody else's roster, he is a four-star recruit. Um, again, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot when it comes to the player. To me, it's their heart, their, their work ethic, and he's got it all. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year with Trevor Lawrence just slinging him the ball. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does too because it's going to be a lot, a lot of interesting things to see what Trevor does with some of these other weapons with Ross and stuff out. So I'm kind of excited to see what Nagata does. Um, I'm ready to see him play as myself. Um, for me, I'm going to transition into the running back out of Louisville, and that's going to be Javion Hawkins, um, 5'9", 185, three-star prospect. Um, I was looking up some stats prior to him entering uh, college football. Um, he went to Kokoa High School. Um, he's super fast. He runs 40. Um, he plays, it's crazy enough. So I was looking at his stats in college. So he had a 788, 22 catches, 509 yards. He averaged 23 yards per, uh, per reception and had seven touchdowns through the air. The funny thing about it was he also played slot receiver and in re and he played defense as well. Um, so he had 35 tackles and two interceptions on defense in his last year. Last year, heading into the season, they did not expect the redshirt freshman to be the starting running back, but he worked to the top. Of the, uh, and it was well worth it. Uh, he became in Louisville history to run for 1,500 yards. Um, he had some big, the best defense. Ranked defense against. He had 29 carries. Carries 129. On the season average again, 3.3. Uh, he had 15 carries, 91 yards versus Miami, which isn't you know overly fantastic, but Miami had the 17th ranked run defense last year. He averaged 6.1 yards per carry in that game against Miami. On the average season, they were running uh, 3.2 as well. So um, he's a small guy, but he's a fast guy. Um, he slippers uh, through those lines. Um, he's patient with the ball. It's something that I really enjoyed watching. Whenever you're watching him, um, he's very patient with letting the blocks develop, letting their offensive linemen do their job so that he can run down the field. Uh, he had eight games last year over 100 yards, uh, with one being a 233-yard game against Syracuse, uh, which was impressive to see him continuously just run down their throats. Um, he had TDs of 44 and 56, nine rushing touchdowns last year, which Obviously, isn't too, too many, but nine is is a lot, which I found very awesome that he had 35 touches in the red zone, um, and seven of those were converted for touchdowns. The crazy thing about it is, so I talked about when I was diving deeper into his stuff, I was like, all right, this guy can catch the ball. What did they do with him last year? I, and I didn't understand why he only had four catches for 58 yards last year. Still don't understand it, because like I said, in... In uh, high school, he lined up all over the football field at 22 catches as a senior. So that's one thing that I want to see approved upon this year. Another thing is, is Louisville had the 90th ranked offensive line this uh, last year out of 130. My man ran for 264 yards, 1,525. Uh, sorry, he had 264 attempts, 1,525 yards, and nine rushing touchdowns. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry. So there's a lot of things that um, be running behind the 90th ranked offensive line. He had 53% of his carries that went under three yards. 43 of those carries, which was 16%, went for negative yards last year. That's something that I'd like to see him improve upon. But the one thing is, is I don't always criticize the running back if they have a bad line. If you look at what Keyshawn Vaughn did last year in Vanderbilt, that was perfect case and example. The funny thing about it is Keyshawn Vaughn did that, and Vandy had like the 70th ranked offensive line. 
This man had 1,525 yards, which is most in school history, behind the 90th ranked offensive line. So if you just put a decent offensive line in front of this kid, can you imagine the possibilities are endless, right? Um, he's got the heart. He's got the drive to want to be uh, better. You don't come in as a freshman, uh, a redshirt freshman running back and just take over a job that nobody intended for him to take over without having a little bit of heart and a little bit of hard work behind him. Um, like I said, there is some areas of improvement. I don't like the fact that he only had 13% of his carries inside the red zone. Um, it, they threw the ball a lot more in the red zone than I think they should have. I, I don't understand teams sometimes whenever you have a guy that is averaging almost six yards a clip and you're not trying to get him the ball in the red zone. Um, on first down alone, he averaged five yards a carry. Um, my most impressive stat for him, second and 10 plus, he had 37 carries, 325 yards. He averaged nine yards a carry on second and 10, which is another kind of insane stat for me. They do try to get him the ball um, on uh, third and fourth, third and fourth um, situations. He doesn't convert them into first downs. It might be a little bit to his size. I wish he'd put a little bit more weight on him. But this is a type of guy that I really think that's going to break out and he's going to showcase himself again this year. And he has the capability of doing so with so many other conferences not playing and not a lot, not a lot of running backs missing. He has a chance to really kind of put the Louisville team back on his back. If he has another 1,500-yard season this year, 1,400, 1,500-yard season, this guy's going to be in the conversation. You know what I mean? He's slowly but surely coming up on my rankings. I didn't know anything about Hawkins a whole lot, but prior to uh, um, kind of digging really deep into him, heard the name, understood the name. But once you start div- digging deep into some of these guys, you start to see that, man, these guys are good. And, and not just that. It's like, where do I put him in my rankings moving forward? Because if he has another 1,500-yard season, nine touchdowns, um, if he has 15 to 20 catches this year, I'd be satisfied. So for me, um, Hawkins is somebody that should be on your radar, and I'm excited to see what he does this year. Katie, anything on Hawkins? Yeah, sure. Um, to In Debbie, you want to look at players and what do you project them to be in the NFL? What kind of role will they have? He's not the lead back type of guy. He started off coming out of high school at 157 pounds. He's already put on 30-plus pounds. I think he's close to his max size. He may be able to squeeze out another five pounds or so. That puts him just under 200 or very close to 200 pounds. That's decent size for the NFL. He's got very good speed, as you said. He's slippery. I I do like his moves. He's got some good vision. I like his cuts. Um, I really agree with you that it's curious, a head scratcher with his receiving chops, that they just have not used him. And any NFL team, he's going to make – a team for his kick returns and his receiving chops. And that's his role in fantasy football. He will be that kind of guy that is a PPR maven uh, if he gets the right opportunity and if they use him. Um, But I don't see him getting a whole lot bigger. And when it comes to red zone, you were questioning, well, that, that whole field shrinks up. You got a bunch of big bodies. If they don't create a hole, it's hard to get into the end zone. We saw that with Clyde Edwards Alaire the other day. If they're, you know, they're just putting body on body, there's no room uh, and and to not swing out a pass to him or get him outside in that situation uh, to me is a bit crazy. Yeah. When watching him play, he reminds me a little bit of like an Austin Eckler um, who can, can be all over the football field. I do think it's crazy enough because I was like, is this guy a three down back? I think he can be. Um, you know, last year, looking at his stats, he had seven games of over 20 carries and he did, and he handed himself pretty well in all those games that they kept feeding him the ball. Right. You know, in every single one of the games that he had over 20 carries, he had over 100 yards in all but one of those games. Um, he had touchdowns in, in, in eight of the 13 games that he played as well. So it, for me, it was it's I think the possibility of turning into a three down back as long as they kind of utilize him out of the backfield. I think it's possible. You said, like I said, um, is he going to be a second, third round pick? Probably not. But with his ability as a kick returner, he didn't do a whole lot. But he, I mean, he had three of them for 15 yards. But if you do that consistently on the NFL level, they're going to find a way to get you in that offense and line you up on the football field somehow to get you out there. I think there's a possibility for this kid to be a three down back. He, Like I said, he reminds me of Eckler, which a lot of people weren't super. Like you said, you know, you it's about finding that diamond in the rough. And Eckler's kind of that diamond in the rough. You know, nobody really you know, whatever people want to say that, you know, you didn't exactly think that Eckler was going to be a running back one ever in the NFL. Really? You thought you were going to get a complimentary back, but for me, I, I like what he does. Um, I like, what, I, I can't wait to see what he does this year and see what he does improvement wise. So I'm excited about that as well. 
So well, just just to uh, give you a little bit of info on Austin Eckler, he was a zero star, and uh, he ended up as an undrafted free agent. He's he's um, produced seventeen percent of the time a top five running back finish 37% of the time as a top 12. So, so he's an RB one in just such a short sample size. It'll be interesting to see. And then as far as a top 24, 67% of the time in the NFL so far he's, he's produced. So it's not outside the realm of possibility, but just keep, keep grounded that, uh, the likelihood of him being a three down running back in the NFL is, is probably not that high. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the thing. He's, the beauty of it is his price, uh, his entry price right now is not, you can get him in uh, deep Debbie leagues for a very reasonable price uh, and then just stash him. Absolutely. And that's, that's the point for me, I think with Hawkins is, is nobody's talking about Hawkins. You know what I mean? Like, you know, unless you're in Kentucky, you know what I mean? And even then they talk about basketball more than they do football, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a football school. Um, but I mean, a basketball school. So for me, that's, that's what I look at is, is the, the value of which Hawkins is going to go. And, and right now it's, it's basically free. So for me, I think Hawkins is, is someone that you can stash with the talent. You know what I mean? That's the thing. He's got the talent. So, all right, before we go here, uh, Katie, um, do you uh, go ahead and plug away some stuff for us? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on the weekly podcast at Under the Helmet. Uh, I'm on the regular show. Comes out every Wednesday. Uh, it's on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. And uh, Chad Parsons and I, on the premium side of Under the Helmet, we're about to do a four-part series on uh, each Debbie position and just looking at it from the perspective of what were they as a recruit going into college and where are they now? So it, it just the hit rate going back to, you know, it's only about a 6% probability that a quarterback in Debbie that you're going to hit on them. And, you know, running back is more like 35%. So therefore the odds are better to just get a bunch of good players and, I always use the analogy, you can hit from anywhere in Debbie, including the sixth or 10th round. Don't take any pick lightly. Always be looking for those gems. Do your research, especially as you get later in the draft and scoop up as many, volume is key, scoop up as many extra later round picks that people are going to just throw away like they're nothing and uh, just get good players and, and have fun with it. Absolutely. Folks, head on over to the Music City Drive-In to check out all the shows on the Drive-In Podcast Network. Head on over to Twitter. Give Stoops a follow at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at Rick Evelar underscore and give this show a follow at the Debbie Delight. Uh, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on, and we'll talk to you guys later. See y'all later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.